minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. It is broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network, north to south, east to west, every corner of this continent and the islands around the continent. Now, today is going to be a little bit of an esoteric program, so if you're not into, you know, a bit of strategy and ideology and discussion, there's always easy listening music, and there's always the Government Guild at ABC, so make no apologies. You know, if you wonder what anarchy is all about, an anarchist society is a voluntary non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power, that's direct democracy. The people involved in the decision make that decision and that, and then um, carry out that decision based on the concept of recallable delegates, a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Quite conservative ideas. So if you're really into radical ideas like corporate capitalism and religious fundamentalism, turn off the switch now. You're not going to like what you're going to hear. Now... I'm interested in the the reasons why so few people feel a need to take action, despite the deteriorating situation for so many Australians. It's becoming extraordinarily difficult to organise people not just around specific issues, but broader issues. And you'd think in the age of instant communication, the World Wide Web, that it'll be a bit easier. So it's something I've been thinking about now for a number of years, and I thought I'd share my little thoughts with you. And uh, you can make whatever you think of it because I think it's important that we understand the communities we live and work in because there's no point bashing your head against a brick wall if there's this idea in the community that's pointless to get involved in political activity or social activity. And I've been thinking about the role 
of the armchair critic, the trolls and the internet warriors in this little dilemma. Because there seems to be this idea which is fostered by those who exercise power the struggle for change is impossible. Waste of time. You're wasting your time. Nothing's ever going to change. You may have a few issues which crop up now and then, reach your momentum, successful, and then fall back with no real major change on the infrastructure. So this is a deep sense of cynicism not just a cynicism in the structures and the institutions, but a deeper cynicism about life itself, a deeper cynicism about the possibility of change. It's like a cancer a slow-growing cancer which saps people of any energy they may have. And the only energy they seem to have is that energy necessary to survive. So it's not just a matter of the armchair critics and the trolls and the internet uh, and the uh, internet warriors. It's much, much deeper, this malaise, and it is a malaise. Because if you look at the past history, although things may have been difficult in many situations worse, there was that belief that collective action, individual action, would eventually make fundamental changes to structures. Now, obviously, it is in the interests of those who exercise power, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. It's always been in their interests to have this deep sense of foreboding and cynicism. And over the last 40 years, during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation, revolutionary period that we have been living through, we have seen that flame of resistance put out. That's right, put out. Not flickering out there in the corner somewhere, but almost drowned in a bucket of disillusionment and disappointment. And obviously, it's an issue because if people have no hope and hope is the love child of desire and expectation, the desire for change and the expectation that change will occur, if people have no hope, they will not resist. They will not become involved in movements for change, for major change. And to a significant degree, this has occurred not because of that 
general sense of cynicism and despair which is, you know, fostered by the armchair critics and the internet warriors and the trolls of the world. But more importantly, that sense of creating the illusion that resistance is futile because ultimately nothing will change and things do change. And if you look at history, change has always come when people have come together and forced those who exercise power to create that change because everything is possible. Everything is possible. Nothing is impossible. Everything is possible through collective action. But nothing is possible through individual action. So it's important to remember that hope is a driving force. And it's important to remember that irrespective of the forces pitted against those who want change, who want egalitarian change, that that change is possible and it can break out tomorrow. The structural things which get in people's ways is the way society has been transformed where individuals have become totally dependent both on the state and the private sector. 30% of Australians who are on Social Security benefits, that's one in three, are always concerned about the possibility that if they become active, they will lose what little, little resources they have because there's been so many changes of the Social Security Act that we now have the situation where people are basically jumping through hoops constantly in order to receive a pittance at the end of the uh, fortnight. And we see this constantly in terms of the amount of paperwork that needs to be done, the amount of time people need to line up, the amount of time you need to uh, be in a computer... So there's this general fear that if you are becoming involved in action that you will be penalised. Extraordinary. And then when we look at working people, those who are wage earners and those who are self-employed who don't employ labour and there is an increasing number of people who have been forced onto bodgy so-called uh, you know, self-employment contracts, then you've got that insecurity of where you've got high indebtedness, where you need that constant income, where you need to be working two or three jobs in order to meet your financial commitments. So what we are seeing is that people have been incorporated into the system to such an extent that if they put a foot wrong, their whole lifestyle collapses and we see that increasingly amongst an increasing number of people who are finding it increasingly difficult, I'm sorry for using the word increasing all the time uh, to make ends meet 
So there are. And then we look at the student population, which in the past, the 60s and 70s, acted as a driver for radical change. But we've seen the transformation of the universities into institutions dominated by the concept of continuous assessment, where students not only have a debt that they need to deal with at some stage in their lives, but they're also under constant pressure. So there is really little time for political and social activity. So what we've seen is a change in the nature of society that binds us, chains us, not binds us, but chains us to those institutional structures. And if we rattle the change, the chains, there are consequences. So to a significant degree, the struggle for change needs to be pushed along by older people who have nothing to lose. And even in that situation, what we're finding is the extraordinary costs of childcare that many older people are now becoming un- uh, unpaid you know, minders for their grandchildren. And I'm talking about a day, a fortnight, but you know, every single day. So even that group finds itself less able to participate in social and political activity. So the midwives of corporate capitalism is what creates this feeling of despair and disillusionment, not just with the current political processes, but with the ability of people to make a significant difference to the type of society they live in. And when there are issues which tend to take off, these issues are normally peripheral issues which may be important to the people involved at that particular point in time, but ultimately in terms of changing the structures of society, resolving the inequalities in power and wealth which exist, they are never any real challenge to those people who continue to exercise power. This is The Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia. My name's Joseph Scum, host of today's program. The program is podcast. Now, that doesn't mean I've given up. This is my 50th year as an activist. 50 years in May. It'll be 50 years as an activist. Over 40 years I've been broadcasting in community radio across this country. Now, if I'd given up, I would have said, oh, well, what's the point many years ago? And obviously there is a point. Because ultimately... The type of society you live in and the type of government you have really comes down to the individual. And if we allow fear to rule us and dictate what we can and cannot do, and if we allow the pressures of everyday living to squash any sense of resistance out of us, then we deserve deserve the situation we find ourselves in. That's why I've been actively campaigning to register public interests before corporate interests as a federal political party in this country.
and we've been actively campaigning over the last two and a half years to register public interest before corporate interest as a, as a uh, federal political party. Because when you look at the type of political parties which are now registered, you will find that most of them are based on the idea that the major problem we face is not the fact that power is concentrated in fewer and fewer hands and that the public, the idea of a public interest has almost disappeared, but that somehow it's some peripheral issue which uh, is important. So on the Saturday, the 3rd of March, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest will be holding a Congress for its members. Now, obviously, non-members are welcome as observers, but only members have speaking rights. Now, you can join on the day, if you wish, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. It will be at the Unitarian Church at 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne from 10am to 4pm. And the main topic of the uh, Congress will be looking at the way that we can actually increase membership so we can actually register as a major federal political party before the next federal election. So if you're listening to this program, you're a member, you would have already received an invitation to come to the Congress. If you're not a member, please come along, come as an observer. If you want to speak on the day, you'll need to join public interest before corporate interest on the day, or you can join beforehand. If you want to join, you can download an application form from PIBCI, P-I-B-C-I dot net, or you can leave a contact address and name on 0439 395 489 0439 395 489 and we'll send you out an application form. Now talking about uh, activities, now you all know about the Eureka Australia medals which we set up about a decade ago in direct uh, competition, if you want to use that horrible word, uh, with the official, in inverted commas, um, Australia Day and uh, Queen's Birthdays honours list because obviously most of the people that we have a little bit of respect for would never appear on those lists and even if they appeared many of them would tell them to take a running jump so last year there were a number of recipients but one of the recipients Yosef Alirama from the uh, Palestinian program on Community Radio 3CR was not able to attend for a uh, a number of reason, and uh, he was keen to receive his Eureka Australia medals early this year at Bakery Hill, at the very point, at the very geographical place on the 29th of November where the Eureka Oath was sworn by over 500 armed miners. We swear by the Southern Cross to stand truly by each other and fight to defend our rights and liberties. Now, Yosef has been a great campaigner over the decades for uh, Palestinian independence and Palestinian freedom. So if you wish to be there, you don't have to ring anybody, just turn up. It'll be a short ceremony. It should be over by about 11.30am and then we'll uh, go off to have some lunch. So it'll be uh, Sunday, that's right, Sunday the 25th of February, Sunday the 25th of February, 11am, 
Bakery Hill in uh, Ballarat. They're at the middle of the uh, roundabout. So um, pop up there. If you're from the local area, pop in. Uh, Yosef will say a few words after the medal presentation. And I think it's important that we honour those people in society which uh, society conveniently forgets to honour because somehow they've uh, shaken the cage. They've decided that they're not going to be uh, captured by the cynicism, which is such a prevailing feature of Australian society today, and they still believe that uh, we can, both individually and collectively, change things by uh, being activists. Listen to the Anarchist World this week. Now, I've had the pleasure over the last few weeks of being educated on the uh, vagaries of the marketplace. You like that? The vagaries of the marketplace. And it's just extraordinary what a good time investors have in this country. It is extraordinary. You know, when companies don't pay tax, they do it legally. But it gets better than that. Now, have you ever heard of the word franked dividends? Hmm? Franked dividends. Sounds interesting, doesn't it? Well, you know, if you're a shareholder, if you own shares, right, whether through your superannuation company or individually, what normally happens, not in all cases, but in the majority of cases, the company pays tax on that dividend. So the shareholder doesn't pay tax because you can't tax it twice. But the beauty is the company gets a tax deduction. So what's happening in many companies like Transurban is that although they're making hundreds of millions of dollars of profit, they're not paying taxes to the Australian community because the taxes they pay on the dividends which are paid to the shareholder on an annual basis can be claimed as a tax deduction. So it's all very well for a company to say, well, we pay tax on the on the dividends which are paid to our shareholders, but let's not forget that's a tax deduction. So in the end, the community doesn't actually receive any money. Quite an extraordinary situation, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, it's all legal, obviously. I mean, you don't... See, the great thing about living in Australia in the, the land of the corporate world is that you don't need... You don't need... You don't need to do anything illegal not to pay any tax. Although, if you're a small um, shopkeeper or a sole trader who relies on cash or works in the cash economy, you've got real problems because you've been targeted this year by the tax department. Now, you'd think... 
Everybody talks about the black economy. The black economy would be about $25 billion, less than the turnover. That's a year, less than the turnover in the Australian stock market in one day or two days. So $25 billion. I get confused. Billion. About 1.2%, 1.5% of the total economy. But we've got the Australian Tax Department out there big time at the currently trying to ensure that all these people who are involved in the cash economy pay their GST and their fair share of tax, obviously. Because there's a lot of, you know, because that's the beauty of living in Australia is you've got the laws there in place to harass the small taxpayer. And so the Australian Tax Office is basically doing its job. If the laws are there in place, well, obviously they need to enforce those laws. But when it comes to the corporate world, there, are there, there aren't any laws in place which ensures that the community receives some benefit apart from the payment of wages to employees and dividends to shareholders. The whole community receives some benefit from this partic- from particular corporations' uh, activities in our country. Well, in Australia, it's not our country. I'm sorry for that. It's not our country. It doesn't belong to us, obviously. If it belonged to us, I wouldn't be here. I'd be on the beach somewhere enjoying it. So there's all these wonderful things. And the other thing is, if you are a shareholder and you kind of gamble wrongly and you lose some money on the stock market, that you can offset, you like that word, offset your losses on any profits you may have made from other investments. In other words, if you make a loss on the stock market and you're an investor, you can claim it as a tax deduction. Almost as good as negative gear, isn't it? Where you can get a tax deduction for owning more than one home. And again, it's all legal. And why is it all legal? Because we've allowed it to occur. We. We. We've put our faith in all these institutions or we've become so cynical we've decided to withdraw from society and, you know, play internet warrior or uh, choke on pay TV. And things just continue ad nauseum. Extraordinary. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. Now, I've been really interested in seeing the Consumer, the Competition and Consumer Commission, the CCC, the ACCC, the Australian Consumer Competition Commission or Competition Consumer Commission jumping up and down saying, it's time corporate Australia paid their fair share of tax and I've gone hooray, hooray. Then I'm looking, I'm thinking to myself now, isn't it extraordinary? We live in a capitalist society. We're told that competition is the lubricant, the petrol that's required in a capitalist society. But we have an organisation which is called the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission which is there to ensure that companies and corporations actually compete 
because the natural end point of any capitalist society is not tens of thousands of you know small businesses competing against each other in an open marketplace but a marketplace which is dominated by corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. So the state needs to intervene in order to ensure that competition continues to exist in a capitalist marketplace. You know, it's almost too ludicrous to think about. Think about it. We're told we live in a free society. We're told we live in a free marketplace. Now, if we allow the free marketplace to develop naturally, the end point of consumer capitalism or corporate capitalism is the creation of large corporations which dominate the marketplace and use their domination of the marketplace to increase their profits at the expense of the community, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. So the state has to intervene through a legislative framework by passing laws to force corporations to compete against each other. It's just extraordinary. Obviously, the whole thing is flawed from the word go. It has to be flawed from the word go. Well, you wouldn't need an Australian Competition and Consumer Commission if we had a free marketplace. But we don't. We have a marketplace which is based on the concept that the stronger get stronger and the weaker get weaker and then the weaker are pushed out of that marketplace. End of story. It's called unconscionable behaviour. Good word, unconscionable, isn't it? Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscan. I'm hosting today's program. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Yes, I will get back to you eventually. 0439 395 489. You become a public interest before corporate interest member. Download the application from pipsy.net. You can have a look at the Defend and Extend Public Housing Facebook page. Defend and Extend Public Housing Australia Facebook page. See when the next rally's on. You can uh, go to the Anarchist Media Institute, anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. See what's going on there. Or you can go onto my personal Facebook page. Yes, I do need friends, they tell me. And I said, oh, well, it's nice to have friends, isn't it? Well, if you've got friends, you pay for them. Is that, what they, is that what they do? I wouldn't know. So go to the personal Facebook page, Toscano for the public. Toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-A, for the public. And yes, we still do accept letters and answer them. Send them to post office box, 20 Parkville 3052 Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052 Listening to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network Now there's two big words I'd like to dissect today because they're important and that's the beauty of living in a world where we use words to confuse people and uh, deepen their cynicism and deepen their inability to organise and deepen their inability to uh, resist. Structural violence. Now, over the last few months, we have been observers and participants 
in campaigns which have outed individuals and some quite powerful individuals for inappropriate and in certain circumstances criminal sexual behaviour. And obviously it's something that needs to happen. But I'd like to take it one step further and look at the concept of structural violence. Because we're always used hearing the word violence. And sometimes we hear the word violence which is attached to certain elements or ethnic groups within our society. Or we hear the word violence attached to criminal activity and criminal behaviour. Or we hear the word violence attached to demonstrations or police reactions to demonstrations. And it is the lifeblood of the gutter press, violence. They love to magnify it and create a climate of fear. So what's structural violence? Because, I mean, this violence is real and it does affect individuals and communities. It's real. But what is structural violence? Structural violence is the violence that people deal with every day as a direct result of the institutional structures and the laws which have been passed through Parliament which ensure the rich get richer and the poorer get poorer. And as you know, in every available indicator, we have seen this. So structural violence is based on the idea that a small percentage of society deserves to enrich themselves on the labour and the misery of a significant proportion of the community. It is the legal violence which occurs which allows homelessness to grow, which allows poverty to grow, which allows inequality to grow, which allows violence to become a feature of our society. So it's more than just creating those structures which allow this to occur, but it's actually promoting the idea that some members of our community will never, never be able to escape the situations they find themselves in through the destruction of the social elevator. So all this structural violence we continue to see on a daily basis. The hoops that people on Social Security benefits have to jump through in order to receive a pittance. All those unnecessary activities which are basically designed to keep people busy, whether it's work for the dull, whether it's going you know, through endless retraining courses which lead nowhere, 
whether it's leaving people behind, refusing, point blank, to provide basic infrastructure for everybody in our community. That's structural violence, and obviously minorities within our community understand that that's structural violence. But that structural violence has now become a permanent feature of the middle class in our society, those who work. The inability of people to take strike action, even during an enterprise bargaining agreement period. The inability to agitate to receive a wage rise. The inability to fly a Eureka flag on a building site. The inability to receive fair compensation for working um, out of hours and having the Fair Work Commission remove overtime payments for the people on the lowest wages. That's structural violence. The inability of people to acquire enough superannuation to look after themselves in their old age. The fact that people are rotting in nursing homes because they've been privatised and now are mainly there to make profits for a handful of corporations. The same for the childcare industry, where parents are forced to work two or three jobs in order to afford childcare. That's structural violence. It's when the state and the parliamentary, so-called parliamentary system, which is theoretically there to look after our interests, is used to create inequality. Not diminish inequality, but create it. Structural violence is when corporations legally pay no taxation in this country and people wait to receive urgent medical attention in the public hospital sector. Structural violence is when taxpayers' money goes to rich private schools while public schools are starved of money. Structural violence is when essential infrastructure becomes private property and that private property is then used to gouge out the maximum profit from a community that is reliant on that essential service. So we live in a society which uses violence to generate a climate of fear and hatred and intimidation for the other while having structures in place which create more damage to the community than any violent activity, criminal activity that occurs. I mean, structural violence is when you hear about people in nursing homes not being able to get the care they need because there aren't enough staff because, you know, somebody 
needs to make a profit. Structural violence is when you hear about public hospitals having to close down beds because they've run out of money before the end of the financial year so that people have to wait longer for essential medical service. This is the, this is the violence which is inherent in our community which is there because of legislation which could be removed tomorrow if there was enough public pressure to deal with that situation. But that public pressure is not there as we spoke in at the beginning of the, as we spoke about in the beginning of the program because of that air of disillusionment and cynicism which is fostered in the community which has been magnified through the use of the, the echo chamber, the cybernet, the internet, an echo chamber. I mean, here we are. We're told that somehow with the internet it'll be all hunky-dory. It'll all be great. We'll all have all the information at our fingertips we want. But what do we create? We create echo chambers where people need to respond immediately, where we tend to be, you know, divide ourselves on the basis of who knows what. So it's an echo chamber. We just hear our own voices. We only listen, look at people with the same opinions. It is a divisionary uh, technology. It divides people constantly. It doesn't create any sense of community. It actually increases people's sense of disillusionment and hopelessness and inability to become involved in activity. Think about it. Now, another little term I'd like to look at is state capture because what I love about commentators in Australia is how superior we are, you know. I'll, I'll call my, you know, I'll say I'm one of them, although I'm not. How superior we are. If you wonder what you're listening to, this is the Anarchist World This Week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscar. I'm hosting today's program. State capture. Now, we've all heard about President Zuma and the fact that he's been caught with his fingers in the till, you know, and he's been asked to move on. And there's a wonderful term in South Africa called state capture where a number of very very wealthy families have basically been greasing local politicians, filling up their pockets with cash in order for these local politicians to pass legislation which is advantageous to them. You know, that's state capture. It's a little bit like the Chinese Communist Party capturing the state, owning the state in China, okay? Captured. And so we are really, you know, we jump up on our high horse and we say, isn't that horrible? Isn't that terrible? Isn't that disgusting? That type of thing would never happen in Australia. Well, boys and girls, it's been happening. And it is happening. But the beauty about state capture by the corporate world is the fact that you don't even need to bribe the politicians in Australia. At least in South Africa, you need to bribe them to pass that legislation. The hole that corporate capitalism has on the Australian parliamentary system is so extensive 
and so all-encompassing, you don't even need to give them a buck. Because they would never, 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 never in their wildest dreams think of putting up parliamentary legislation which would eat into their power and profits. It doesn't happen. It doesn't need to happen because parliamentary democracy has basically become an extension of the corporate world. That's another main reason for this disillusionment. When people see the institutional structures which are there for their good act as the cheer squad for that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, you know, you've got a problem. And that's the problem. As I said before, at least in South Africa, they give the politicians money to actually get them to pass legislation which is advantageous to the corporate world, not in Australia. You don't need to. When you talk about putting in legislation to crush little people, to ensure, you know, you suck in a few more cents in taxation, a few more dollars, always the way. But when you talk about legislation to ensure corporate Australia pays its fair share of tax, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with monotonous regularity. When you talk about legislation to create a fair social security system, it doesn't happen. I mean, I've noticed the Minister for Social Security crowing about the fact that last year only 32,000 people were able to get a disabled disability support pension in this country and that 60% of people who, who applied were rejected as if this was some huge, huge, you know, um, great thing that the fact that people who apply for disability support pensions are rejected because the criteria has been diminished. So the criteria has been increased. The hurdles have been bigger and bigger and bigger so fewer and fewer people can jump over them. And then last week, the Social Security Minister was crowing about the fact that 1,152 people had been referred to the police from 8 million clients, come on. If any private organisation, any private organisation had so few bad apples, they'd be cheering. So it's an extraordinary situation. So the state has been captured. The state has been captured lock, stock and barrel in this country. We have an economic system which is dominated by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental and national costs. We have a society where the the, uh, economic disparity has increased exponentially. We have a society which is dominated by fear, And fear is used to create a climate where the other becomes the enemy. I mean, there's nothing more extraordinary than the fate of the asylum seekers on Nauru and Manus Island. And the great majority, over 90%, have been deemed to be refugees. And five years later, they're still rotting. I mean, if this isn't a crime against humanity, what is a crime against humanity? But we as a nation 
shrug her shoulders and say, well, that's the price that needs to be paid by these people to keep our borders safe. And it's all very well railing against our political representatives, but all they are doing in this situation is echoing the majority of opinion in the community. I mean, what type of society have we become? And when we look at the discussion around Indigenous Australians, little has changed in the last 50 years. So the state has been captured, lock, stock and barrel, by that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Lock, stock and barrel. We don't need to bribe politicians. Any legislation, any discussion, revolves around the margins. The margins. Look at the discussion in the corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC and on the so-called um, you know, World Wide Web over the last week. What's it been about? What has it been about? And when you look at what it's been about, you realise how minimalist... It's all is. So Barnaby Joyce can't keep his zippo, zip closed. Obviously, the people around him are paying a huge price for his personal behaviour. But is it something that needs to be discussed every minute of the day on every television, radio, internet, tweeting? You know, the minor issues take up so much time and that is part of the problem with creating this this culture of disillusionment and despair. I mean the rise and rise of celebrity culture as a significant part of our community. How extraordinary that what somebody eats or where they shit somehow is of importance to me because you know, they're an entertainer or something or, you know, a public figure. It's just extraordinary. So we've got this culture of the spectacle. Oh, I didn't make that up. An old-fashioned term from the 60s. The culture of the spectacle, where it's the spectacle. It's what you see. It's the noise. You know, that which is important. And no wonder so many people now feel so disillusioned and cynical about any possibility for change. But that's exactly, that is the exact result which people who exercise authority want us to feel. Because if we feel desperate, if we're cynical, if we've forgotten that we are the people we've been waiting for as far as the struggle for change is concerned, Nothing will ever change. And what will continue to happen is the state will be continued to be captured by corporate capitalism, by the corporate world. We will continue to see structural violence, legislative initiatives which basically ensure that the gap between the rich and the poor increases and that the middle classes become prisoners of a financial system which eats at their very soul. 
So these are the issues that we need to face, both as individuals and communities. And if we don't get involved, we deserve the situation we find ourselves in, as I keep saying on this program. You can be a member of three tribes. You can be a member of the Gunner tribe. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, but you're never going to do anything. Or you can be a a, uh, member of the somebody should do something about this tribe, great tribe, somebody should do something about that. You know, somebody should do something about that as you throw a bottle through your windscreen, you know, or uh, somebody should do something about that. It's such a wonderful thing. Or I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Or you can just sit back and say it's all pointless. It's hopeless. It'll never change. It's the human condition. Let the trolls and the internet warriors and the armchair critics rule the roost on behalf of the corporate world. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. You can write to me at yes, write at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can go to anarchistmedia.org, anarchistmedia.org. You can go to pipci, P-I-B-C-I dot net, download an application form to join public interests before corporate interests. Don't forget the Congress on the Wednesday... Sorry, 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 sorry. Saturday, 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 3rd of March 2018 at the Unitarian Church, 110 Gray Street in East Melbourne. Observers, welcome. Uh, If you want to talk at the Congress, you'll need to join public interest before corporate interest on the day. Uh, Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week. A few Facebook pages you can go to. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Toscano for the Public, Toscano for the Public. Yes, I have not paid for any of my friends. I can assure you of that. They should be paying me. Uh, you can go to the um, uh, the Facebook page of Defend and Extend Public Housing, see when their next action will be in March. Don't forget that uh, at 11am this Sunday, the 25th of February, we'll be presenting this uh, Eureka Australia Day medal to uh, Yusuf Alri Mawi for his uh, activities regarding Palestinian independence. 11am Sunday, the 25th of February, at Bakery Hill. Join us, and remember, you are the only person who has the capacity to make a difference. Thank you once again. This is the Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.